Welcome to the Dag Heward Mills Podcast. Dag Heward Mills Podcast is a broadcast outreach of Dag Heward Mills Ministries, which aims to bring you the very best from the vast teaching archive of healing evangelist, best-selling author, and megachurch pastor, Dag Heward Mills. I'm so happy to have you join us for yet another blessed Saturday teaching. Today's message is from the Mackinac and has been taken from the Sufferings of Christ camp preached to shepherds in the UK. The message is entitled, Types of Suffering. As Christians, we like the thought of sharing in Christ's glory, but what about sharing in his suffering? In today's message, Bishop Dag teaches that a spiritual person should rather welcome experiencing the sufferings that Christ endured as an achievement and not something to run away from. We must be happy to suffer something for Christ's sake, and suffering is what brings us closer to God, and it is in his will and decision for you to experience the sufferings that you will. Today's message will prepare your hearts and mind to deal with suffering in the correct manner so you can follow the example of Jesus Christ well. Listen and be blessed. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity that we have in you to serve you, to love you. We pray that you give us the grace to go forward in your will. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It's good to see all of you again. The problem about this camp is that we we have come in the middle of the day. You should have come last night so that you'll be here this morning, not coming today. And then I hear you have to leave tomorrow. So that's not a camp. It's more like a kind of congress or whatever. So we just um, share some things and we move. So I want to share with you at this uh, meeting about the sufferings of Christ. First Peter 4. The sufferings of Christ. So I'm, I'm saying that to tell you that you need to prepare to come for another camp. Because if you don't have time to come the day before and to leave at the right time, then it means you don't have the time for that. So those who have the time for that, who, who should come? All right? So um, get ready, okay? First Peter 4, 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal, okay, the fiery ordeal which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. Amen. Amen. Okay. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Amen. 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 To the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Amen. Amen. Are you with me? To the degree 
that you share the sufferings of Christ. Keep on rejoicing. Amen. Amen. So, that is the main theme of what we want to share in this short time that we have. Is, and that is that to the degree that we experience what Christ experienced, we should be happy. Amen. And therefore, we should be unhappy to the degree that we do not experience the things that Christ experienced. Wow. Wow. Do you understand? And the opposite of that is when you have another mentality about God and about His work, where you have the mind that sufferings are and any kind of inconvenience for that matter is some kind of unusual thing that shouldn't happen. So that is why he said, don't think it's strange. Do not be surprised in verse 12 of First Peter 4. Do not be surprised okay, at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. You see, so there are two types of Christians. Those who don't want sufferings, don't want to experience any kind of suffering or inconvenience, and therefore think it's strange. And anything that you think is strange, you react to. You fight against. Because it's, it's not what you want. It's not what you need. It's not what you want to happen. You get it? Yeah. So you reject it. And that is the kind of Christian that we have mostly today in the world. And let me tell you, never, never, never be uh, sad that you are all alone in your ordeal or just a few of you are in a particular situation because God made the whole world and everybody turned away from him and he he was so unhappy with them and he cursed them and did all kinds of things to them I'm sure he was trying to let us repent but we wouldn't repent. And then in the end, he decided to, the word in the Bible is to blot them out. <laughs> when you are cursed, it's even better. <laughs> but he decided now to blot them out. And the Bible says, but Noah found favor with God. And God went through all kinds of extreme Measures build a boat <coughs> for a long time and did so many things because he was going to drown everybody <coughs> to save three people. Huh? So don't be surprised if just a few <coughs> serve God or just a few do what they are supposed to do to bring about the will of God. 
Are you listening to me? What do you think? Don't be surprised. Okay? So don't be surprised if a few do that. And don't be surprised if in the church, just a few are ready to suffer. Amen. Amen. Now, rather, we should be listing the things that we are suffering as our credentials. Those are our credentials. And if your mind is working in the biblical way, when you see somebody suffering something that you are not suffering, you should ask yourself, what did I do wrong that I did not qualify to suffer this experience? What is wrong with me that I was not called to suffer this? Because he said, to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Yeah. Because we all experience the sufferings of Christ to some degree. And honestly, it would be quite difficult for us to be crucified on a cross in this day and age. So in a certain sense, few of us are ever going to experience what Christ experienced. Perhaps also knowing who he was and knowing everything. You know, there's a lot of psychological suffering when you see, uh, you know, things that don't have to be that way, that you could change. But to that degree, as soon as you see yourself, Experiencing something. You must be very, very happy. And then you must be jealous of people who are suffering things that you are not suffering. Yeah. Like when David went through a hurricane and his roof was blown off in Jamaica, I was jealous of him because I couldn't say that I have been in a hurricane and I have survived because of Christ. And my roof has been blown off. I can say so many things, but I have not experienced that. Yeah. So I remember at that point, he sent me a text about, you know, because Paul said, three times I was shipwrecked. Three times I was beaten. This number of times I had this. I Once in the deep, I had experienced, I mean, he listed them all. Because in heaven, the sufferings are the things that give the glory. Hallelujah. Are you understanding? So a spiritual person rather sees the sufferings as credentials. Credentials. Okay? What do you think? Yeah. So to the degree... Are you, are you, do you have your new American Bible? How many don't have it yet? You don't have your new American Standard Bible yet. Raise your right hand, please, in Christian truth. Okay? Isaac, do you have some in the bookshop? You have some few new Americans. Everybody should get one because it helps you to understand the King James Bible. 
Alright? Do you have a King James Bible? Do you have a Dick's Bible? Thompson James Bible? Strong's Concordance? New American Standard Bible? Then you must have it. It's a basic equipment for a Christian worker. How many are Christian workers? How many are Christian holiday makers? This is not a holiday camp. We are not here to swim. Amen. We are not here to play tennis. We are trying to do something for God. Amen. And my topic is the sufferings of Christ. No, it's not a holiday camp. That's something we are doing because we are holiday. Nobody goes on holiday on Thursday. <laughs> Alright? So keep on rejoicing. So that also the revelation of his glory, at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. You will be you will be happy at your exaltation. With the exaltation that comes, you will rejoice. But what can happen is that you can lose your reward when you start arguing and complaining about the suffering that you are experiencing. Hallelujah. Now, verse 14. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Hey! Because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you are reviled or insulted eh, because of Christ, that means, that is the sign that the anointing, the spirit of glory is the anointing. That is the sign that the glory, the spirit of glory is on you. That's a sign. When you lay hands on somebody and the person falls down, there is no verse in the Bible that says that when you lay hands on somebody and the person falls down, it's a sign that the spirit of glory is on the person. It doesn't mean that. I mean, I'm not saying that it's not the case, but I'm saying these are things that are written in black and white of signs of the anointing are insults. I remember when somebody called me Lucifer or Belzebub or some of Satan or something. Some of these titles of Satan. When he did, I knelt down and I thanked God that I could have the same insult that Christ was insulted with. To be insulted with the name of the devil. Have you been called a devil before? Huh? Not yet. You, you pray, pray about it. When it happens, then you start to tick. You must be make a list of your sufferings, and you'll be ticking them, ticking them. These are your credentials. What have you been through? What have you survived? Hallelujah. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer because a murderer will suffer. Or a thief because a thief will suffer when you are caught 
they can easily kill you or beat you. In Ghana, you can easily die. Or an evildoer, or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but he is to glorify God in this name. You see, if anyone suffers as a Christian, you understand? Because a Christian can easily not suffer. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, then he is supposed to become happy. And you see, the current modern Christians don't want to any kind of inconvenience. That is why we want to get out of our marriages. Because sometimes you have married somebody and it's not easy to stay with a person. So because it is not easy, it's like, hey, I can't take it. And I can't take this. Do you understand? I'm not going to tolerate this. I don't deserve this. I deserve something better. Because of how good I am. And what a nice person I am. I don't deserve to have this experience. What have I done to suffer so much? Nobody knows what I'm experiencing. I am the one who is suffering in the house. Everybody thinks that it is okay with me. I can't take it anymore. I want to be happy also. That is the mind of many Christians. And that drives them out of their mind. Because of the mentality today that suffering is strange. It's like, no, 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 no. I am a, I am more than a conqueror. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in He have overcome little children. All things work together for good. The Lord is a son and a shield. No good thing will he withhold from me. Who is that lady who is better than my wife? No good thing will he withhold from me. I must have that money. No good thing will he withhold from me. Money is good. So to be in a situation, and there are a lot of people, you can never send them as missionaries. Because they have that scripture, no good thing will he withhold from me. So if you send them and there is any good thing that is being withheld from me, the scriptures are being broken as far as I'm concerned. Because some good thing is being withheld from me. But you see, now we have to change, we are changing our mentality. That when I experience something, I'll write it on my list of credentials. I have suffered this thing before. I have suffered this particular thing before. I have suffered this before. Yeah. Amen. Amen. What do you think? Is it a good idea? So the sufferings of Christ must be embraced. We must be happy that we are suffering something for God. Oh, how many are going to suffer for God? Yeah. 
is a camp for suffering. When Bishop Saki's wife died, I said, when I look at it, I felt that he was more highly promoted than me. Because it's a very, very high thing for your spouse to die. In fact, it is known to be the highest stress. That one and divorce. Divorce is even worse. Because death, the person is dead and the person loves you and has gone by divorce. You are separated. The one... The death, the person is separated from you, and you don't see the person. Divorce, the person is separated from you, you don't see the person, but the person is still around and he hates you also. But when I looked, I said, My goodness, it's a very high something that God will give to someone to experience or allow somebody to experience. Yeah. It's not a small thing. <clears throat> to relate with somebody and the person is now just quiet. Doesn't talk again. It's not a small thing. So, suffering. If anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed. Do you understand? But he is to glorify God in this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will become be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel? Hey! And if it is with difficulty that the righteous are being saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner. Even the righteous are being saved with difficulty. <laughs> we are being saved with difficulty. How many realize that it's with difficulty that you have been able to be saved? Then what is going to happen to the unrighteous man and the sinner? Verse 19. Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Trust yourself to God, knowing that God knows what is right. And it is God who has decided that you should experience some of these things. Hallelujah. How many are glad that God has decided that you should suffer for him? Amen. Now, sufferings come in many different formats. But we must be prepared for them. Now there is something that happens when you suffer. See, when you suffer, when you suffer, you experience and you something in you, right, which is of the nature of the devil, is gone, is taken away. And then something else replaces it, which is of the nature of God. I mean, what I'm just saying is just what I think. That's what I think. It works in you something you cannot get by preaching. How many of you are married here? 
How many got married? Lift your hand. How many are not married? Okay, receive it. Amen. Now. When you see somebody who is not married, and the person wants to be married, and you have been married for some time, you realize that the person doesn't really know what he is desiring. Is it not true? But you who have been through it, no way. But it doesn't mean that you did not read any books about marriage before you got married. So what it is that the experience does for you, that reading all the books about it cannot do for you. It is that thing I'm talking about that also happens in Christ. That you can read about the man who went to heaven, you can read about this, you can read about Jesus Christ, you can read about so many things. But there is something that you cannot get by reading or hearing or even watching somebody. One time I was discussing with Bishop, I said, look, let's cheer ourselves up because it's where people come for funerals and so on. They are sad to see you, but as soon as they leave you, they are not sad. <laughs> they carry on with their lives. Yeah. And they are just flowing. So, you may think that people even understand what you are experiencing. But, you realize that they don't even know. One day, a pastor whose wife died. Now I was talking with him. He said to me, look, my enemies, my enemies, I'm not afraid that they should experience this. Yes. He said, it's the wildest thing that you can say. This is what I pray that you will not experience. Yeah. He was telling me, but you see, all those who come by to greet and so on, you see that they are grieving, they are going, but they, they don't have an idea what you are experiencing. And that is how it is in the church. You can hear the messages. You hear about God. hear about these things, but you don't have a, a depth of of understanding of what, what is going on until you experience something. And that's why it's very important for us to actually get involved in the work of God. That's why the books that I've written, most of them you will understand them better when you start to work for God. And the more and further and deeper you go, the more you will return to and say, I never understood. I wrote exams on this book, but I didn't understand everything about this book. Amen. Amen. Are you there? Yeah. All right. So, I want us to go on a journey. Through the sufferings of Christ and try to see how we can rush. We are going to rush towards sufferings. Everybody say, I'm rushing. I'm rushing. To Take hold of sufferings. Take hold of sufferings. Are you ready to take hold of? Turn to Matthew 26. That's it. Preach. You're preaching. 
Jesus had finished all these words, he said to his disciples, You know, after the past, you know that after two days, the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man is to be handed over for crucifixion. Now, the first suffering is to know that you are going to suffer. Do you understand? It's a very terrible psychological trauma. Amen. Amen. And to know that you are going to suffer and to go towards it. Hey. I'll, I'll mention, you know, Juanita a lot because it just happened. So I always talk about things that have happened. When she died, we didn't expect her to die. Even on the morning that she died, we were going to play golf. We didn't, there, was no, there was no sign or anything that something like this was about to happen. It was Christmas time. We were getting ready to enjoy Christmas when all these things came up. When she died, our problem was that we were so shocked that this had befallen us. So now we were debating, would it have been better to know that you are going to die. And then you just go through it. Knowing that the person is going to die, is going to die, is going to die, is going to die, is going to die. Or it happens suddenly. Which one is better? Who will vote for suddenly? And who will vote for you know you are going to? Which one is easier? Suddenly or you know? Okay, no, we are voting. It's only, you can only be here or here. Who is voting for suddenly? Okay, who is voting for you know you are going to? Okay. Now, that will be up to you to discover. can't really tell. Maybe if you have cancer or somebody has cancer and they tell you you are going to die. You don't know what you will go through. The experience. If you've seen one before and they tell you and you are going through the motions, you see yourself in a coffin, you think about the funeral, think about those who will come. And I know somebody who died here, and he said his obituary, he said when he dies, this person shouldn't bath him. This people should be, this people should be on his obituary. These people should not be on it. This one shouldn't happen. He should be buried here. These people shouldn't come. Yeah. One time I told somebody, that, you know, I told him, listen, you are going to die. Because he was going to die, and he wasn't being told clearly that he was going to die. (laughs) I need to tell you so that you understand what is happening very clearly. I said, you are going to die unless God heals you. You are going to die soon. Very soon. When I told him, he looked at me and burst out crying. A grown up. And because a certain emotion sweeps you when you 
or sweeps over you when you think of that. Do you understand? It is that that keeps people away from full-time ministry. But when I am inviting you to full-time ministry, I am inviting you to suffer. Preach! All the old layers, the old lay people, those who have been laid, they That it is that suffering that keeps them back. The knowledge that I will suffer.
But you see, when I was saying, do you want to know what is going to be? Or you don't, you want to come without knowing? As soon as you know, you stay back. As soon as you know, you will not go. If I was to stay there, I'll offer you and I'll tell you, look, how much are they paying you there? This is how much you earn in the ministry. It's far better. This, this, this. All of them would say, oh, after all, me, me, I wanted to work for God. <laughs> God has called me for years. It's not, it's not, it's not just last week, God. God has called me. I mean, I'm an ancient of days of the calling of God in my life. God has called me a long time. What is this I'm suffering here? But they are analyzing. They are analyzing. Yeah. Because even your tithe that you pay today as your tithe may be more than what you will earn. And I will never change that standard. Those who have the ability to suffer for Christ should come. And now, when anybody says I want to be put, I don't listen to that. All I say is that the office for application is in Accra. When you arrive there, with your family, you apply. <laughs> we, we, we are not likely to reject you. So come. Don't stay here and say, God has called me. God has called me. Um, anytime you come, we discuss it. That's, that's the place where we are employed. That's the head office. We are not likely to reject you. he was here and he came to see me and he said I want to uh, be in the ministry he came to see me privately he said I've not this is what I've, t- I've not told anybody in the world so the way you tell people is very dangerous he said, I said my wife does not know what I'm saying but I want to go myself you are welcome you are welcome when you come <laughs> he arrived and he's there I know that now when we call you and you say you have to go, then you start to hear all sorts of other things. I have a subject called pastoral hypocrisy. <laughs> Maybe I'll talk about that. I don't know. <laughs> oh, you don't get what I'm saying. I'm talking about the suffering of knowing that I'll be poor. Knowing that I'll not have this. Knowing that I'm losing this. Knowing that this is going. Knowing that this is what I'm going to experience. And I'm going for it. Jesus said here, it says, do you know that after two days, this is what I'm going to experience? You see it? After two days, this is what I'm going to experience. I know what I'm going to experience, and I'm going to experience it. Yeah. Fully aware that this is what I'm going to experience, and I'm going for it. I know it, and I'm going for it. Oh, you don't get what I'm saying. So you see, many of us must now begin to embrace things that we know we are going to suffer. Yeah. We know, we know. We know when I go witnessing, they are going to slam the door on me, but you still go. You know when I talk to the people, they are going to be rude to me. You know when I talk to them, they are going to look down on me as if I'm some inferior human being. But you still go. 
You know what you are going to suffer. You know when you give this money, you will, you will be broke. But you still do it. But most of our giving, we do it with the mind to avoid the crucifixion. We will give when there will be no pain. But if this thing I give is going to lead to any kind of pain, no giving. You see, and that's what the Bible says that. Don't think it is strange. But I want us to always remember the scripture. It says, for, where is it? But to the decree, to the decree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. To that decree that you see something that is going to be difficult, to the degree that you still go for it, to that degree that you have been able to do what Christ did, which is to see pain, but you still go for it. You see poverty, and you go for it. You see that this thing eh, is difficulty and hardship for my children, but I'm still going for it. That's what I did in the ministry. When I came into the ministry, I knew to myself that eh, I would never travel again. I didn't, know, I didn't know what would make me travel on an airplane again anywhere. I thought maybe there would be some, I don't know what kind of program that would ever give a free ticket <laughs> for me to travel anywhere again. I knew that I would never own a house. So can you be in your life, you know that and in two days, I'll be crucified. In two days, I'll never have a house again in my life. In two days' time, I'll never be able to eat cornflakes again. In two days' time, I'll not be able to eat Nando's. In two days' time, I'll not have uh, Rice Krispies anymore. In two days' time, I'm going to be in a village. In two days' time, I'm going to have difficult. My children are going to start having difficulty of where to go to school. In two days' time, I'm going to have no more money. In two days' time, I'm going to suffer. And then you say, oh, but I'm going for it. I know what my father has sent me to do, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm talking about the sufferings of Jesus Christ. That, that's why I say that. Perhaps you have to ask yourself that, is it better to know that it's going to happen and it happens? Or you don't know that it's going to happen, it just happens. And I said, there is a certain suffering that comes when you know. Yeah. That is why when I told that man we are going to die, he started crying. But I never told Mrs. Saki that because she didn't know she was going to die. And I didn't know she was going to die. At least I didn't know at that time that she was going to die. All of you, if you will be honest with yourself, can't tell if I sit down with you and say, Daughter, how much are they paying you? 2,000 pounds. Look, in the ministry, you are going to get 6,000 pounds a month. Wait, 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 what are you doing here? What are you doing here? You say, look, the call of God has always been there. Arise and go. Arise and shine, for I like this stuff. The glory of the Lord is written upon Arise and shine. So it means that it is because the sufferings of Christ have been laid in front of you and you can see it or even you suspect it is there. Then you see that everybody comes up and has a different reason. 
my mother. My grandmother. My father. My wife. My children. I have heard each one of these before. I've heard my mother before. My mother. Another one I've heard my grandmother. Recently I heard my father. And then I've heard my child, my children. I've heard one my child and I've heard one my children. Loyalty. They don't understand it. 
As they progress in the ministry, then they experience it. Well, as you follow God, you are not greater than Jesus. If Jesus experienced Judas, you will also experience Judas. Amen. So, I have experienced people plotting. When I was in school, in the medical school, I started a church. People used to have meetings about me all the time. Some of the people in my church now, they feel even shy to tell me of the meetings that were held. They discuss me, they analyze me, whether I was called, whether I was not called, all kinds of things. One time somebody was in the bus and they'll kill. So many people in the bus were analyzing me, saying so many things about me. You know, and it's a very, very difficult thing to, to know that people are just talking about you and saying whatever. But you see, as a Christian at this camp, you must hope that a day will come when you will be a topic. When it happens, you say, Oh, I've been promoted by God. I've been promoted by God. They are having a discussion about me. Huh? Even if it's your, just your family, which are discussing about how weird you have become. You should have a party. These are what you should celebrate. Not your birthday. It is these days, suffering days. You should have parties and talk. My suffering day. <laughs> suffering day party. Yeah. Because of what I'm experiencing, you get it? What? Because of what I'm experiencing, alright? Uh, I'm so blessed that people are discussing me. And they, they are plotting how to eliminate it. Plotting how to remove you. The next one. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany, at the home of Simon the leper, you see. Let me tell you. I'll give you another example. I remember when David was going to Jamaica. And somebody, I met somebody in Accra who told me, "Do I have somebody in London who is going to Jamaica?" And he's Family are not happy at all. I said, what? I don't know who I'm talking about. There's somebody on church who he's going to somewhere. Their family people are not happy at all about all this. You see, it's a rank. I'm telling you. And it's, I was talking to some people and I was asking, I was saying, that, look, why do you think somebody would choose this person or not choose this person? There are some things that people have experienced. Once you have not experienced it, Somehow you are there. You have a nice person who has read a lot of books, but you haven't experienced anything. And you need to experience it. When you experience it, you realize that this person has experienced and is still believing what he's believing, still doing what he's doing. He has earned himself a certain rank. How many are going to embrace and look for the suffering? Rushing for your sufferings. Amen? Now the next one, we go on. Now when Jesus was in Bethany, at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster box, a very costly perfume, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. But the disciples were indignant when they saw this, and they said, why this waste? Because this perfume may have been sold 
for a high price and the money given to the poor. Alright? But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you bother the woman? For she has done a good deed to me. But you always have the poor with you, but you don't always have me. But when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you that where this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done also will be spoken of in memory of her. Amen. Amen. Now, what's the meaning of indignant? Huh? You don't know. Is that is that what your uh, what you call it says? Huh? you are shocked or angry shocked or angry because you think that something is unjust or unfair hey (coughs) now another of the sufferings that you are going to that you should hope to experience which Christ suffered alright was the suffering of uh, people thinking that it is unfair for you to have things You see, where people think that it is unfair for you as for who you are and what is happening, for you to have things. Amen. You see, when you get to a certain level in the ministry, people think that it is unfair for you to have maybe a certain kind of car. Or for you to live in a particular kind of house. Or for you to wear certain kind of clothes. But you see, if you work for yourself, or you work at the bank, and you have a certain kind of car, and you have a certain kind of house, it's not a problem. After all, you work hard, isn't it? You are hard working. Yeah, you go to work every day. You do whatever. And so everybody knows that you are hard working. So you deserve it. That's why Pastor Richard drives the car that he drives. It's not that he doesn't deserve it, because there are a whole lot of people, including some of you here, who think it's unfair. Like, like, who think it's unfair for him to drive a certain kind of car. I I also know that the the best car is Benz. Or Mercedes Benz. If I was to choose a car that I think is a nice, good car, I would, I would use a Benz. Yeah, that's a car that I'll use. But one of the sufferings that I experience is that I am, I, I, I am constantly aware that I am surrounded by people who think it's unfair for you to have certain things, for you to earn certain amounts of money, for you to have certain privileges, and so on. They're all around. And in order to just continue existing, and doing well in the ministry, there are some of these things you just cut off. And you just stay without them. Because that's how they think. They think that if you are doing this other job, you should have it. I was playing golf one day when a man was standing there 
Once Bishop Saki was tied in two laces, and he wasn't talking about me. That this guy, look at him, play golf there. He uh, used a church, whatever, to come and play golf. If he was working as a doctor, would he be playing golf at this time and so on? That's how they talk. That's how people think. So it takes you time because you said that people people don't think that you should have certain privileges. So much of my life is hidden. They, 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 they don't even think you should you should even buy something from the shop. Or that you should even sometimes eat it. That's why you do not you never see me shopping when you if I see you I won't shop. If I see you shocked and angry indignant members one day our, the pre, uh, one president of a certain country's name begins with G his wife went to a particular country yeah there are many countries Germany Gambia Gibraltar Gabon now and of course, Ghana is one of them. <laughs> so, Gold Coast. Now, his wife went shop, and then some people from that country whose name begins with a G were with this wife as she was buying a couple of things. And later on, I was somewhere in the country, somewhere in the country that, they, they, that she had happened to just buy some. They were discussing what she bought. Nothing written by anything strange or anything, but the discussion. And you see, when sometimes we so when sometimes when we come across, oh, can I can I come with you to help you? I'm gonna help you to go shopping. No, 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 thank you. And you see, many Ghanaian pastors don't know that those type of helps that you allow people to help you, you are rather stirring up hatred. Because just like this guy, it, they are indignant. They, they think it's unfair. That you should have something, or you should do this, or you should have that. Yeah. And they are rather happy. They are rather happy. One, one time, when I, when I, 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 I got an, uh, we got an Audi, an Audi that I was driving, somebody, somebody, I got a message through somebody, somebody said, oh, I have lost the, I had a lot of respect for Bishop. He would do, but I've lost the respect that I have for him when I saw him driving that A6. Yeah. That he has lost the respect. He was indignant. So you see, that is why it is one time recently I was driving my car. When even you, you, you were somebody came was looking. So whose type of car is this? What type of car is this? Because you can't see the name of the car on the head. So that you don't stare up something on you. There's no name on the car. The name So what type of car? They went all around the car. So what car says, oh, it said no, it said no. Beautiful car, light green. 
But look at the, I think the first one or the second one in the country. Yeah. He was driving it and it was like an aeroplane in those days. Hey, I remember sitting with him, we were going to the race course in that car. I mean, what is the best? My father only drove Mercedes Benz, and my father in law, my wife's father, only drives Mercedes Benz yeah. since we were, ch- we were children. That's right. You go to Germany, it's a, it's a taxi. Yeah. <laughs> but no matter the thing, the argument that you make, they still think it's unfair. They are happy to, they are happy to see that. Oh, I like your bishop. He's very humble. Very, very humble. Old guy that is like, oh, he's very, very humble. Down to earth. All they are trying to say is that we are happy that he is not. We we can we feel that he's not. He doesn't have certain things that we think he shouldn't have. One day I went shopping. I was in a particular country and I was coming. When I got to the house of where I was going, where where I was staying, I found out that some church members had come to the house. Now I was I was home myself. It was now an emergency. Where will I hide? I shot him. Suspected that no, 
They must be doing something wrong. They must be sleeping with somebody. They must be doing something on the side. Standard. There's rarely a man of God that you hear of who you don't hear that they're suspecting of sleeping with this girl, with that girl, with this person. I remember one time I was going on follow-up many, many years ago. When I got there, was the, the girl was in a shop. When I got there, they said, they told the message, they said, your, your boyfriend. And I heard it, your boyfriend, old boyfriend, neighbor. Well, whatever you are doing, there is always some question. If you are a woman who is doing well, ministering, you say, ah, she's, uh, she's uh, she has emotional problems. <laughs> Her marriage is not working. That's why she's preaching a lot. She cannot have a child. That's why she's preaching a lot. She has her own problems. Amen? Amen. So, Jesus said, when she poured this perfume on body, she did it to prepare me for my burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached. Amen. Amen. Now the next kind of suffering is where you have just a few people who really appreciate what you are doing. Is it is it soon getting hotter? Yeah. What can we do about it? Just a few people appreciate what you are doing. It's another form of suffering. I don't know how many people appreciate Pastor Paul going to Venezuela. Just a few people will think that he's done a great thing. So what is the use of all this? <laughs> and if they don't see any huge church Maybe after 10 years, maybe there's 10,000 people in Venezuela who are coming to say, oh, is that a good? But what about if he doesn't see that? What about if he sees 60 people there after 10 years? And somebody say, ah, what is he really doing? That it's, it's, you see, in the ministry, you have to do things because God appreciates what you are doing. And not a lot of people. And out of all these disciples, it was only this woman who appreciated what Jesus was doing. And that is how it is. Sometimes you find out just a few people seem to appreciate that what the man of God is and what he is doing to be a blessing to you. Amen. All right. Now one of the twelve, named Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me? To betray him to you. And they weighed out 30 pieces of silver to him. And from then on, he began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus Christ. Now on the first day of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? Amen. Amen. And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, my, The teacher says, My time is near. 
I am to keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. Then Jesus, the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. Amen. Amen. Another thing in the ministry, uh, when you are serving the Lord, you'll find out that you get to a point where you don't have things yourself. You have to depend on people. Amen. Amen. You have to depend on people. He says, go and go into a city and to a certain man and say to him, I have to keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. <coughs> Are you with me? Yeah. Now, the ministry, one of the things about the suffering is that it takes away your independence. You see, to do well with God, you have to grow to the point where you suffer to the point where you lose your independence and you are depending on others. You depend on somebody to do what you need to do. And it never goes away from you. For you to do well now, you need to depend on your person. Some of you, you are so independent and detached. You understand? For what is going on in the ministry. So you are not close enough for you to benefit, but for you to do well in the ministry, you need to become dependent. Just like Jesus depended on this man to have the Passover. That famous picture that we saw, that we see with Jesus and his 12 disciples all around him, it was a picture of him in somebody's house with somebody's table. And somebody's plate. <laughs> and somebody's food. <laughs> For me to do what I'm doing, I depend on people. I depend on people giving. I depend on people suffering. Going to work and coming back and bring money. To give offerings. And that's how the whole thing is. And, 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 and can you get to the point where that's how your life is? Many of us in them don't want that. We want our independence. We want our own. We want to be able to point to everything and say that I got this from here. I have this from here. I have my, my Passover in my room with my uh, my own room upstairs where I made, I built my own whatever. Everything I have and everything I use is mine. I don't have a car today. I don't have a car. I just use a car that I they all belong to the church. I've written my will. In my will, there is no, I give this car, I give my car, this, whatever, because I don't have one. <laughs> but some of us want to own everything. Like the pastor was coming full time, I had to buy so many cars. One of the things that God needs to break in your life is independent spirits. You need to break that independent. I don't need anyone. And the people quarrel sometimes. You know, you didn't buy my ticket to come here. I, I bought my. I, I, I bought my. I suffered here. I've done this this year. I did this this year. In other words, I say that you didn't give me any room to have my Passover. I have my own Passover in my own place. But you must come to the place where you realize that you depend on people. And as you go here in the ministry, you realize how you depend more on people. Yeah. You know, 
One of the things I wish I would never do again is fundraising. Because I don't like it. It's, it's the part of the ministry that I don't enjoy. But I enjoy it because I know that it's part of the sufferings that we are supposed to experience. Where you depend on these people, you have to go and beg them for money. You know, when I became an evangelist, I was asking a lot, so what does an evangelist do? And I started to look at Benny Hinn and Bonke and so on. And I realized that they do two things. One is that they come and raise money, and the other is that they go and preach. So one end you are begging for money, and the other end you are preaching. Because the people that you are preaching to, are you listening to me? The people that you are preaching to, they cannot give you anything. For all that you've preached to them, they cannot. And if you want to continue preaching to them, you need to get money to be able to go and preach to them. Mercy. Are you understanding? So I realized my life is made up now of two. It was like you have two main things. Go and make partners. Go and get people to help you. And then go and preach to the lost. That's, that's my way. And it's like I can't preach to the lost without depending on the people and begging them for something. Give me money. Give me this. Give me this. It's like it's some kind of humbling something that is combined with that thing. That's how it is. And it starts, and God always makes you depend. Because depending on somebody humbles you. Yeah, yeah. When, you, when, you, when you need somebody, yeah. you realize that you, you need to be nice to the person. You can't just cast the person out. The person has to be in your life. Hey, you wish you would not be in your life again. We should even have to see this person and look at the person and be nice and be kind. Oh. But, 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 but you need to. You need to come and you need to be nice and be flow, smile a lot, be friendly. Bishop Blake told me, he said to me, form a board and, and put me on your board. What should I say? Form a board and put me on your board. And make board, get board members. <laughs> I, have to, I have to ask people. Help me, give me. And when I go and they give me, then I go and preach. Like what Jesus said at the Passover, a lot of the scriptures were from what he said at the Passover. And he has to ask somebody, go and tell there's a certain man, tell him that it's time. I need food, table, that I'll be coming with 12 guys. 12 solid guys who like it. Pastor Fifi, you depend now. You depend. I depend. I depend on you too because I, I, I live off your offerings. Okay. No, I live from offerings. <coughs> and you see, when, when, when the Lord was leading me to encourage my wife to also be in the ministry, it was also to take away even further my independence. Oh. To increase my dependence. Because I'm a highly qualified professional and so is my wife. She's a lawyer. And my wife need not work in the ministry. She was working and she was doing private work and she was working, whatever, as a lawyer. She was working and earning her own money. Come and work in the ministry. All of us. We are nothing. We need people to help us. That's it. It's a further level of suffering and dependence. 
I used to be proud to be able to say, this came from this, this came from... Look, everything I have is from offerings. My shirt is from offerings. Everything. Right to my pants. No, that's the truth. I depend on you to buy socks. I thank God. To the degree... Eh? Where is that verse? To the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Eh? What did he say? Keep on rejoicing to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ. So those of you who are so independent. <laughs> oh, you need no one to survive. All your money comes from this, this and that and that and that. You, get, you, you have not experienced that. So you see your credentials, you need a lot of things to gain such credentials. Chris, you don't think so? Yeah. He can point to your house. You know, this is from here. This is from here. That's from here. I got this from here. So when I work here, I have this. This is this. I've suffered. You know how I've suffered in London. I've worked very hard. I'm a this, I'm that. God says you are nothing. I wanted to beg people depend. John Wesley used to do begging. He used to go on begging. I had go on witnessing. He goes on begging for the poor. Go with the, what do you call it? A basket or whatever. And he goes to stand to do begging for the poor. Can I have some money for the poor? And he will go back. When he goes begging, he will get a certain amount of money and bring it to look after the poor. And he said when he dies, six poor men should carry him, his body, and each one should be given one pound. Yeah. Not pastors, poor men. Six beg- poor beggars should carry his coffin. Yeah. Those should be the poor beggars. Poor, six poor beggars. <laughs> and each one should be given a pound. <laughs> But for us, super sophisticated, independent, I can do it by myself. I bought it myself. I earned it myself. I've worked all my life. You didn't buy my ticket for me. No, but Jesus said, go and tell, I have a certain man. He didn't say, I have my house. One of my houses. Go upstairs. So I am sharing with you about the sufferings of Christ so that you also decide how many have decided to how many have decided to also suffer are you, are you ready to give up your independence yeah. how many are ready to be poor for, for Christ you know that this thing I'm going is poverty but I'm going yeah that must be your mind this thing I'm going somebody's going to insult me but I'm going to go so that you know it's not going to work, but I'll still do it. So that, so that God sends you to do something that will not work. Just so that you suffer the experience of doing something that doesn't succeed. It's also a, a form of suffering. That's 20. Now when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. Now you see, the next thing is that 
the next form of suffering is that in your rest and relaxation, there is still tension. When you are resting, and when you finish working, the work goes on. Jesus has now gathered his men, because you see, as a minister, or when I preach, so sometimes I just like to be with some particular people to be relaxed. Others will come to you and say, oh, I had a dream. I dream about this. I dream about that. I saw this. Another will say, I come. I had a vision. Someone say, pray for me about this. Somebody say, there's so many things. That after all that, sometimes I just need to sit down, recline. He said he reclined. Yeah. He reclined at the table with some particular people with whom he will be relaxed. And even at that moment where he was relaxing, there was a problem there. When you take up the ministry work, you are taking up a work which never goes away, even in your house and in your room. It will never go away. Pastor Ani Ajedu said to me, he said, I went for Ashanti Go for so many years. But when I, since I came to work in the church, I've never worked like that before. He said, when I used to work in that place, at 5 o'clock, I drop everything, finish. I'm going. I said, this one, there's nothing like you dropped it. Because you will be in the house, they'll call you. You will be in the toilet, they will call you. On the toilet, you'll be poo-pooing. And you'll get a call. When you are reclining in the room. But you must embrace it. You must be ready to, to speak it on the way home. You must be ready to speak at home. You must be ready to work for God from the house. Yeah. Yeah. Even in the house, there is tension. There are calls. Yeah. My husband had to, at the point, off the phone. <laughs> off the phone. And my wife to off the phone. I think she used to criticize me about the phone, but now she's more. <laughs> hey! <laughs> so that you realize that you are reclining. Oh, time to relax. Because you sit down for two minutes and they'll come. Bishop, I, I had a dream. <laughs> and as a pastor, you cannot say, look, look. What was your dream? You have to be nice. And you have to share it. I'm telling you, I'm somebody that I've had it. I'll never tell you, look. Please don't have time to tell me. Tell the person to look. What was your dream? The person will be telling me the dream. And this happened. Then I went here. Then I went. Ah! Very hard. I came down. I put it to the left. I put it to the right. I realized my son was sorted. I have to show that I'm interested. Like he looked and said, My goodness, one of the guys. <laughs> Yesterday, I finished the camp. I finished the camp in America and we were driving from the camp. We drove to the airport straight and from this airport straight to this camp. So when I was going, I was reclining at the back. <laughs> I finished the camp and I got a call. I looked at the number. I thought it was another number. 
righteousness and he has called us into his kingdom for such a time as this it's our time to believe it's our time to love and live there was a time we received but now it's time for us to
speaks to you is in your heart. That's what Rejoiner says. I'm sure it's true. In your heart, you hear him calling. In your heart, he touches you. In your heart, he edges you. In your heart, he speaks to you. Even things that have not been said, you sense the spirit pushing you, calling you, telling you, you must do something. You can't leave Jesus alone to carry the weight of this world on his shoulder. Amen. Amen. You can't carry the weight of this shoulder. We are supposed to take his yoke and join. He said, take my yoke. My yoke is easy. If you do my will and my work, it will be easier than if you work for yourself. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, as they were eating, he said, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. Being deeply grieved, each one began to say to him, Surely not I, Lord. Now, the next difficult thing is to, to suffer knowing that not everybody who is with you has the same agenda. <laughs> you see, as I preach, it's sometimes far easier to minister when you know who you are talking to. And you know that the people who are listening to you have a certain mind. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Are you there? Yeah. But when you get to, you realize that not everybody has the same mind. And they have some other agenda. And every good general knows that the people in the army don't have the same agenda yeah. as the aim of the... Some have an agenda to survive. Mm, yeah. I will never die. This is thing that I have come to join. <laughs> the mind is that I will never die in my own means. Others have joined the... I mean, a lot of... People in the U.S. Army, they join it to go to school, to pay their school fees. But not to die. Not to save America or to save England or the aim of uh, Tony Blair to go and capture Iraq or to give uh, democracy to whatever. It's not his aim at all. And he wants to get uh, his papers. He wants to settle. That's somebody's aim. He's going to get papers. He's going to get money. Somebody has money. Somebody's going to get papers. Somebody's going to get... Uh, school, be able to pay the school fees. Some man is to survive. Some wants to just get a higher rank, a pension. Different ideas, and they are all together with you, and you are leaving all these people with a different mind. And as Jesus was sitting at the table, he knew that there here we are, and some some people here have a mind of money. So like as I'm preaching at this camp, I'm preaching as if we are all so much in love with God and we all really want to serve God, we all really want to fight God. But as we are here, everybody has a different agenda and a different mind. Some have even come to find their beloved. Before I started, before I started preaching, I started their agenda. Why they came here? 
Hallelujah. Amen. How difficult it is. As you are going, know that everybody has a different life. And for years and years and years, you've been going along with people. No, this one is mine is this. This one is mine is this. This one is mine is this. Someone just wants to survive. And that is why I think Jesus never lowered the standard for ministry. You see? Yes. There are a lot of people I know, if they were to work in the ministry, they would be better off than they are. But me, I should say, I should tell you that you'll be better off. I will tell you that you'll be worse off, and I'll show you that you'll be worse off financially. So that you fear, there will be fear in the job. They will betray the cause at any moment. Yeah. Yeah. Some people, when it comes to certain things, one of the things that really, really got to me when we were attacked in Ghana was when I realized that even though it was a very clear, clear case of the government of that time, Attacking us directly, using their superior military powers and political powers to attack us. That my own pastors uh, <laughs> continue to support these same people. It was it was difficult for me to because. This one said that he was sitting at the table and they were, they were grieved. And each one, he was grieved. You, some of you here, you grieved. But it was a difficult thing. Because that is where I saw that we were under. Because for us to know that now the government or some kind of higher powers are now interested in us, for whatever reason, it was not easy. And for me to see that sometimes even the tribe was more important than your church. I was shocked. I never knew that your tribe can dominate your or super super supersede your Christian commitment. It was a shock to me. And then some people had contract, I mean government, but they, they were interested in their interest in that government because they were get benefiting from them. All those things, are, they all came into play at that election. And I was shocked. Now one day I went for dinner with some pastors. When I go for dinner, I go secret places because some people think it's not fair. <laughs> oh yeah? Sometimes I want to go and eat sometimes with my wife or I mean, whatever, and you know, I have to send someone to go and see how the place is. Because it's not that I'm dreaming. I've been to a restaurant before where somebody met me and started shouting. And you've come to use the offering. Oh, Lord, open it and out there. Oh. the restaurant. 
one of the main restaurants in, in Accra. You've come to use the offering. Eh? This morning, I don't know whether it was a Sunday or so. This morning, you've come to use the offering. You come and eat, eh? Small rice. <laughs> Between the small rice and the small piece of chicken, how much can I eat? <laughs> anyway, so one time an election was coming up, and I went for some dinner. There were 15 of us, different people. So, I was asking the people, you know, who they are going to vote for. Now, another suffering is to know that everybody is pretending. And they were all grief saying, is it, is it I surely not I? Know that a lot of people are not saying what they really think. So, I did a little poll. And I realized that everybody was not saying what he really thought. So I took pieces of paper and I put, I passed it around. Small piece. Of, we are finished, we are going. So let's, let's try something. So we did a small voting. And I gave everyone, I said, write who you vote for. Because I could, I was, everybody was saying, surely not I. Hey, my pastors, my own pastors. These people came to fight you, they couldn't kill you. Now, they want to ask them to come back and finish the job. I was watching. And you see we are, some of you were not there, but you, I'm telling you, we are talking about higher powers in the country that break hotels, walls, arrest people, people disappear, all kinds of things. So when I did the election, then I gave it to the electoral commissioner. <laughs> when they counted, it was seven, eight. Yeah. Seven, eight, or eight, seven. Something like that. So I said, Wow, half of you here who are saying, Surely not I, Lord, uh, actually want this, whatever, to come and continue. So later on, I asked the particular people that I was, Who do you, who did you, and I, of course, I, I knew. Then I got to know, I said, Wow, it's very wonderful. But you, you carry on with, with them, and you have to just flow with everybody. See, oh, your mind and my mind are different. Your agenda and my agenda is different. But you have to just be moving and flowing. And that's how it is to lead people. And when God is calling you, are going to lead people who have a different mind. Even what I'm saying now, some of you have a funny mind about what I'm saying. I was, I was not, maybe I was born on Tuesday or Wednesday, but not last Tuesday. <laughs> but you just have to flow, just keep on flowing. Amen. Amen. So let's go on. He who dipped 
has hung with me. Huh? And he answered, he who dipped his hand with me in the bowl, it is the one who will betray me. Amen. Amen. The son of man is to go, just as it is written, but woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. And Judas, who was betraying him, said, surely it is not I. And Jesus said it to him, you have said it to yourself. Now, another very, very typical thing is to deal with liars and hypocrisy. It's not real. But that is it. And you are dealing with that. It's not real. You ask people for money, they say, oh, they are, they are looking, but they are not going to give it. And everybody, I mean, like, human beings, when you read Rejoiner's latest book, you wonder, as he, he talked with various angels who were moving around, and the angels were discussing among themselves why God is interested in human beings. <laughs> One angel said, look, I've been on this earth for 4,000 years. Human beings have become worse. More wicked. And they don't understand God's interest in human beings. That's what the angel said. They don't understand his interest in the human beings. Huh? Still interested. Still interested in the human beings. They tell you you are going to betray me. He said, surely not I. You've just gone for 30 pieces of silver and you say it's not you. It's in your pocket too. You put it in your account. You say it's not you. So at a point you wonder whether people are telling the truth. When you become a pastor, you see a whole church of people who don't pay tithes. People bringing envelopes which are not tithes. But they say that it's tithes. You deal with pastors who don't pay tithes. <laughs> pastors who don't pay tithes. Pastors who are lying. Everybody pretending. Amen? Amen. What do you think? How many understand what I'm talking about? Okay. So Judas was betraying says, surely it is not that's 26. Now the next one is, okay. Now while they were eating, Jesus took some bread and after a blessing, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body. Amen. Amen. The next type of suffering is the suffering of your flesh, your body. Eat, this is my body. <coughs> I know one friend of mine was attacked by a dog. The dog bit him terribly. So I asked him, what did you do? He said, I lay down and I covered myself like this. And the dog was biting me. Eat my body. 
not a small thing for your body to be eaten by a dog. You get it? So this speaks of all kinds of bodily, fleshly sufferings. Okay? You have to discipline yourself in all your appetites. Your appetite for food. I believe that every Christian must have, uh, what do you call it, a, a, a 200 churches. Is this new? Did it just come? Okay. That's the theme of the camp is what? Sufferings of Christ. It's the suffering that will lead to this 200. Some people will not go on the mission unless they are told, oh, when you go on that mission, the house there is even bigger than your London flat. Oh. Do you see? That is what makes people interested in the mission. The motivation is wrong. You must embrace the concept of losing something and suffering. You should, be, you should not be happy when you haven't suffered for Christ. Now, I'm back to the... Uh, the Take it. This is my body. So you, the suffering that offers your body. Okay. So your body is the giving of your flesh. Jesus gave his flesh to be beaten and whipped. So your bodily appetites of fasting, and I believe that one thing that all Christians must experience. You must experience fasting to a certain degree in your life. At least once. Because fasting is not a small thing. And you'll find that you see the pattern of Christ was that he fasted 40 days and nights. That you never hear of him, nor of the others who fasted 40 days and nights, fasting in that way, like, as part of their life. But it was something that they did. You see. And so I remember one time I was talking to some of my uh, young, uh, younger people who were very zealous for the Lord. And I told them to fast. Fast for 40 days. Fast 21 days, three times a year. And 40 days twice.
Why fasting without food, without any drink? I mean, without any juice, Coca-Cola, just water. Three days, water only. Morning to evening to the night to the morning evening fasting. How can you have done too much if you have never had a season of fasting for the ministry? How? You cannot. They have fasted to the point of death before. I almost died. I couldn't move. I fasted to the point where somebody asked me, do you think you will go to heaven by being a skeleton? <laughs> when he saw me, I, I was a skeleton. And I was in school wearing shorts and a shirt. <laughs> so he could see all my legs like a spider. <laughs> my arms. And there was nothing left of me. Because I was fasting almost every day. And I became very small. You can close that the thing now. It's too cold. Is it cold enough? No. <laughs> Young men, who how many believe God has called you? Oh, I said, how many believe God has young men? How many believe God has called you? Young men. If you believe God has called you, embark on a fast. This type of fast where they say the whole church is fasting. They said those are not proper fasts. Oh, you are waiting for the church so we are fasting 14 days. When I was growing up, nobody declared a fast. I have never been in a church where they declared a fast, and I, I was in the fast. I was never in the church where they declared a fast for us to fast. I fasted because. I felt that in my spiritual quest, I, I need to have a fast. Well, that's why, that's what made me fast. But not that they say we are fast. Then you are just trying to survive to six each other. <laughs>
you can fast 40 days. <laughs> you are supposed to do greater works than that. <laughs> I encourage my sons and daughters in the ministry to do greater things. <laughs> One or two times, I almost died when I was fasting. So at the point, I became afraid of it. Because you had a certain age and a certain whatever, you got to be careful. You can actually die. I know people who have died before from fasting.
out there. I couldn't. He said, oh, just through the window. And I said, make you take that. <laughs> take the thing from here. From me. I can't come. But I come from the house to visit me. She was just outside the house. And I was in the room. I couldn't move. I couldn't open the door. I couldn't move my thumb. Hey. So, I'm telling you, if you are a young man and you believe that God has called you, embrace the idea of suffering and dying for Christ. Not about just singing songs and just being happy in the church. Christ died for us. He said that to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. To the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Being happy because you are experiencing something like what Christ experienced. Many, many prayers are for the future. Many, many prayers are for the future. Many prayers are about the future. Many times that you pray are about the future. Keep praying them. Fast about it. Fast when you've got the strength to fast. You don't have a wife. Any young man here, you don't have a wife, raise up your right hand. Young men, stand up to your stand up for Jesus. You don't have a wife. Is that Richard? Uh, you don't have a wife. Are you serious? Are you guys serious? Young ladies who don't have a husband. No, no, stand up, brothers. Young ladies who don't have husbands, stand up. Or ladies who don't have
or body to suffer bodily, physically. Yes. And I'm talking about fasting. Amen. Amen. Sit down. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Are you listening to me? Okay. Then, another offer of your body, but offer your body sexually. Your sexual aspect. sexual capabilities must be offered to God. Amen. And that one too is suffering. You get it? And the devil knows how weak we are. And how the feelings that we have, how we are tempted, how we want it. It's a struggle. Is it not true? It's a struggle. Brothers, is it not true? Sisters, is it not true? Or it's not true? It is true or it is not true? It is true or it is not true? We want it. Sisters, you want it. Before you are married, you want it. You want something. You don't know what you want, but there is something that you want. The mysterious quest. You must offer it. You must contain whatever you have to contain within you until the right time. And when the right time has come, has come, you must direct. First you contain. Then after that you direct. To the right center. Or oh, you don't understand what you're I'll say it again. First you contain it. Contain your sexual organs. Contain your sexual desires. Okay? And a lock and key and a zip. Zip them up. No entry, no exit. After you get married, you have to now direct it. And exercise it. In the direction. That there is no strength for another direction. <laughs> a good Christian and a good pastor must have sex regularly. regularly. When you stop having sex regularly, your Christian life is going down. Going down. Take it from me. (laughs) 
think we can have 200 people in 200 places in, U- in Europe. See, when I say Europe, I've changed this thing to Europe, not UK. Because some of you have to go out of England. Yeah. I've asked some of the old layers to go and watch it. Yeah. I'm going just watching them. Because now I don't believe the layers until I see them on the move. When you move, I'll believe. When you speak, I'll not believe. Huh? Yeah. God wants to use us. Amen. But how can there be 200? You need 200 people who know how to stop having fornication. 200 people who know how to stop doing bad things. Because you, you need, you see, spiritual... You see, in this new book that Rick Joyner had, he, Jesus, he was there, he was watching and fishing. Jesus met James and John. And he took James and John followed him. And he turned and asked, well, what, what are you looking for? He said, we want to know where you, where you stay. And when, he, when they spoke to Jesus, when James sat there with Jesus, Jesus told him, you, I'm going to make you one of my evangelists. And he, told, he said to him, one day your words will have power. Like my words have power. One day your words will also have power. See, how can you be converted to become a person whose words have power? If you have not suffered as you are supposed to suffer. It is suffering that gives you that power. That your words have a certain effect. And I need just 200 people whose words have a certain effect. That have been able to, to control yourself. Able to fast. That's why I say that there is a certain level of fasting of your life. It, it, it has to happen. Oh, yes. What amount to something? There's something like, when I say fast, it's like a quest to seek God. A quest to find anointing. A quest to find the power. A quest to search for something, no matter what. That can never be declared by a church. A church fast. That's why the church fasting doesn't create pastors. But when we have camps, people are touched by the Holy Spirit and they decide to work for God. But when they fast, they don't decide to work for God. Because when they fast, when I say when they fast, when a fast is declared that they fall, they are just showing submission and humility to the leadership. Which is also good. But what God wants is for you to be touched by his spirit and agree that I'm going to endure what I need to endure. This is my body that I'm also giving my body to God. Ladies, your flesh doesn't desire sex as much as brothers, but you are full of bitterness Wickedness, jealousies, quarreling, competitions, and what? Ladies, tell the lady, don't bother to speak at this time. Huh? Talking, backbiting, gossiping. Your, your flesh naturally is that way. Do you understand my message? And you have to get to the point where you say, 
This is my body. This is my, my flesh, my natural jealousy, my natural quarreling, my natural behavior of a certain kind. This is it, Lord. I've dashed it to you. When Juanita died, some people were quarreling in their, in their house. <laughs> saying that, eh, if I had died, you wouldn't have been sad. You would have been happy. <laughs> because, you see, because, because when Juanita died, we were so moved. And everybody could see that we were genuinely sad about losing her. You understand? So one brother told his wife, he said, look, if you had died, we would also have been sad, but for a different reason. Timothy, 
that thou mightest walk. Good warfare. In this time, we talk about stratiumat. The art of war. Amen. Amen. Some of you, we can talk to you about your flesh, about your jealousy, about your gossiping, about your useless chatting, about your pettiness. In Ghana, we have a university, University of Ghana. It has a ladies' hall, Walter Hall, and other halls. In the brothers' halls, the brother comes, he puts his clothes here, he puts this here, he puts this. No problem. And in the ladies' hall, always quarreling. And based on that, all ladies should be able to be able to say that most of the bees that are coming are from them. Because they, they cause the bees. They are always happy for the bees. And the angel said that because the attempt 
to kill Jesus failed through Herod. The, the dark one, they call it the dark one or the evil. The dark one was very, very angry. So, he has come all the way himself from Rome. He was staying at Rome. And he had, yeah, with hordes of demons. And as they were coming, there were winds, storms, boats were overturned, waves were moving, various things. You know, because all these things, they are demons. Even some of the hurricanes and things, they are evil spirits. So as the demons were coming, the clouds were dark, the boats were, and the demons were, so the angels were saying, look at what they are doing. And they are so happy doing it, and they were told, why do these demons like tormenting human beings? And they really like it because the people think that God is the one doing it to them. Very happy because all the things that are happening, they think God is doing it. So they said, because he failed in the Herod, the plan to kill the Holy One, he has come to tempt the Lord. That's why he has come from Rome. And that when that fails, he will turn his attention to kill the Baptist. They called him the Baptist. And the angel was discussing with him and said, We have received instructions not to intervene. When he tried to kill the Baptist, we have received instructions not to intervene. So when you are supposed to die, the angels will receive instructions not to intervene in in, in your removal. But until then, there are angels. That's why when they were about to kill Jesus on the cross, he said, Do you not know that I can call on my father to bring me angels of angels to come and save? But angels intervene in physical things all the time. They are here. I came, when I was taking up on the British Airways as I was going, I, I could somehow see the angels holding onto the plane. That's just, just the day they are asked to step back, that will be it. Step back, leave it, and then that will be it. Because if the devil could just kill us, if Juanita could just die, then all of us would die. Because his aim is not, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a game. It's about killing. It's about life and death. The enemy wants to kill us. So when they got to the wilderness, Michael and Ghost, and Michael said, "Give us the permission to just deal with this." I said to be a very short fight. Very short. But he said, no, I have to go. And he said, I have to meet him as a man. So when he was in the wilderness, after 40 days, then the evil one saw that he had become weak. And he said, this is my chance. Because now he is feeling like how men feel. He's feeling what men feel. My friend, God knows what you feel, and you feel it. How many sometimes feel evil in? If you feel evil within you, sometimes just raise your right and then left, the right and then left, and then your left leg and then your right leg. Also, you can also stand. Your body 
Your body. Jesus said, this is my body. I am offering my body. I'm going to suffer with my body. What aspects tempt you and harass you? Some are even depression. Look, when Satan was tempting Jesus, he told Jesus, you have been abandoned like how the father abandoned all the other prophets. You are going to be killed. All of them were abandoned in the middle of what they were doing. So what happened to Jeremiah? What happened to Isaiah? What happened to Malachi? You have also been abandoned. Hey, and Jesus was quiet. Satan is very weak, you know. He talked and Jesus was quiet. So just ease yourself now. Have some bread. You are hungry now. But God is saying, how many are going to offer your body to God? Okay? One brother said, I really feel, so when I see a man, really feel an attraction Mercy. to Mercy. a man. When I see a man, I, 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 I feel love and attraction. <laughs> that one too, it, most of you may not understand it, but it is a problem that some people have. That one too is the flesh that says, that's what I want. That's what I feel like. So that one too, you have to come. Okay? Okay? And don't laugh at somebody. Because Peter said that we are not for. In the I'm sure he was thinking about even in, in the future for life. And the Lord said, within 24 hours, I will demonstrate your folly. Some of you can become homosexual in 24 hours to your surprise. So before you start making comments about somebody. But what I'm saying is that it is a matter of your flesh. So can you also feel a strong desire for a woman? A strong desire for pornography? Strong desire to watch the film? To put on the television? How many have seen pornography before on television? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Oh, your two hands impossible. And you want to see it.
Mars bars are gone. You are left with cassava. You are left with grass cutter beans. You are left with dust. You, you remember? You remember Irene and, and Daniel? They were nodding her. Yeah. When she got to Mali, she said, how is Mali? She said, it's hot. Temperature 42 degrees, 42 Celsius. During the day, it's hotter than your body. In the desert. And God says, go there. So this is my body, it's hot. And so what? There are souls there. You see, and, and that's what God is calling us. He's saying that I want some people who will say, I have, I have received sunstroke for Christ. I have sweated in my room for Christ. I have suffered for Christ. I have stayed awake for Christ. Amen. Amen. This is my body to stay awake also for Christ and pray when you should be sleeping. You see, can you see that we are not taking the sufferings of Christ? That is why we are weak. And that's why I'm talking about the sufferings of Jesus Christ. That you, that to the degree, the degree to which you experience the suffering is the degree to which you are getting nearer. And it's the degree to which you should be rejoicing. Not rejoicing that I've got a new car. I've got a new house. I've got a new desk. I've got finished my degree. But the degree to which you experience what Christ has suffered. That's why I was jealous when David said a hurricane blew off the roof. They were in the house where the roof was off. And the house was the rain was coming in Jamaica. And the room was getting full like a swimming pool. And they were there with his family. What do you do? And you cannot go out. For Christ's sake. Well, he didn't go there to get anything. See, to that degree, you end your self-credentials. Yes. So, brothers and sisters, God is calling us to suffer. And those of you, when you see your brother experiencing some of the sufferings of Christ, don't think that he has been demoted. He has not been demoted. He has been promoted. You shouldn't ridicule him and say, you, are, you, are, you, are you okay? Why are you doing that? Is there some reason why you are doing this? Have you thought about it very well? Some of you, God has called you to be missionaries. Some of you, God has not even, it's not even calling you to be full-time missionaries, but just leave the UK. Go to France and do a church there. Leave the UK. Go to Italy. Do a church there. Go here. Go out. Go to where there are people where you can win somebody for Christ. Amen. Wow. Wow. Amen. I know what pastor, he said, I cannot receive from a pastor. He cannot listen to or watch a pastor who is overweight, who is fat. Say, I can't receive it. <laughs> the person is fat. It's like, it's like it's a sign that the person is not, cannot control it's appetite. See, he said, I cannot receive it. That's another extreme. Wow. 
This is my body. This is my body. Sons of God, hear his holy word. Gather around the table of the Lord. Eat his body, drink his blood, and we'll sing a song of love. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Everybody write down the words if you don't know the words. This is our new communion song in the church. We always sing it for, and we are going to have communion. You have your wine ready? Have your wine. We are going to have communion. The sufferings of Jesus Christ. Sons of God, hear his holy word. Gather round the table of the Lord. Eat his body, drink his blood, and we'll sing a song of love. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Okay, sons of God, hear his holy word. No, sons of God. Sons of God, hear his holy word. Number three, gather around the table of the Lord. Have you got that? Gather around the table of the Lord. Number, the next line is, eat his body, drink his blood. That's the next one. Eat his body, drink his blood. And we'll sing a song of love. And we'll sing a song of love. Of love. Hallelujah. 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 Three hallelujahs and one hallelujah. Did you get it? Have you got that? Sons of God. Hear his holy word, gather round the table of the Lord, eat his body. Go back. Sons of God, hear his holy word, gather round the table of the Lord, eat his body, drink his blood, and we'll sing a song of love. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then the next verse is, or the next line, brothers, sisters, we are one, and our lives have just begun. In the spirit, we are young, and will live forever. Sons of God, here is holy word, gather round the table of Brothers, sisters, we are one, and our lives have just begun. Have you got that? And our lives have just begun. Are you writing? And our lives have just begun. In the spirit, the next line. In the spirit, we are young. Are you young or you are old? In the spirit, we are young. We are just born again. We just begun our new life. In the spirit, we are young. And, and we'll live forever. Brothers, sisters, we are one. And our lives are just here. 
people who God wants to use desperately. It is his greatest desire to employ you and to deploy your services in his kingdom. He wants your face to be out there. He wants to use you, your mouth, your tongue, your way of speaking, your way of talking, your type of preaching. God wants to use you. He likes you and he wants to deploy your services. It is not too much to ask of you, Mr. Gentleman and Mr. Dear Lady. It is not too much to ask of you to suffer a little for God. If all of you sitting here were pastors, nobody is a camp of pastors and shepherds and other miscellaneous members. But rather this should be a camp of soldiers. Soldiers. So that we meet and we pray together and encourage ourselves and we go back. Far. We should be, we should, from here, we should be going to every country in Europe. There shouldn't be any place that is left, whether Eastern Europe, Western Europe, anywhere where we have not come to suffer there for God. It's, it's lower than your standard, you see. To go, to go to Romania, right? Or Budapest. It's lower than you, you see. Because you, you only know Piccadilly Circus and uh, Oxford Street and, and whatever. It's below. I see that it's below your level. It's below your level. To pack your bag and your house and clear out of this place. To go and do something for God. God is not after your money. Pastor Obi was here. And I'm, I'm also not after your money. I don't know anybody in, in this church who comes to sow seed in my life like Pastor Obi did when he was here. I could come to London, but, or not even London or wherever, and Pastor Obi could, could give me thousands of pounds as an offering that he's giving to me. And I said, because it's the highest you can ever give to somebody, go out there. I would also love to have a rich businessman here who's always blessing me. And say, oh, be blessed. I want to honor you. Because he really appreciated me. And just be blessed. I would like you to stay here so that he will always have, ah, when I go to that, I know. And <laughs> <laughs> you know something he told me? He said to me, you know, since I came to Kenya, I said, I've seen that you can never be wiser than God. He said, the amount of money that has been raised in the kingdom of God from Kenya is more than he could ever have given or organized for the church from London. Mm-hmm. The amount of money that has been raised in the work there. The work there. You see, you would have thought that when I stay in England, giving my 500 pounds and 200 pounds, I'll be giving, creating more money for God. But to, to his shock mm-hmm. and surprise, rather being there, he has raised much more money for the kingdom and the work of God there. If only you can be inconvenienced, likely, Mr. Big Man. Who do you think you are? Mr. Big Staff. Mr. Big Shot. Mr. Gentleman. Mr. Nice Guy. Mr. Bond. Mr. Pleasantino. Sister Nice. Sister Beautiful. Mrs. Londoner. Mr. Good Moral Man. Who has not done anything bad before? Mr. Kind Gentleman. Mr. Pleasant to all your relatives. Mr. Please your in laws. Mr. Please your parents. Mrs. Please everybody. Mr. Nice to your teachers. Mr. Nice Guy. If only you can please also do something for God. Jesus said, This 
body. You know the part that I just like, see the word recline. What does recline mean? What does recline mean? Huh? To relax. It means to move into a position that is more comfortable. When Jesus tried to be a little more comfortable, then he looked and said, ah, Judas. No one can bear this burden alone. God needs you, and God wants you to give your body. And it's possible. Me, I served God since I was, I'm still young. People always thought I would fall. By the grace of God, I have not yet fallen, but they thought I would fall. I've fallen in the eyes of God and in reality to what God thinks, because all of us have fallen. But what people have expected of me, I've not fallen. By the grace of God. And then when you are a young man, you say, oh, you're always there thinking to this guy. Yeah. I give you yeah. some time. Yeah. You stop all these things you are saying. The devil has a plan. He will silence you. Mm-hmm. Cannot preach again. But God will keep you. When you are young, that is when you can even say. Sometimes you think that it's when you are young that you can't serve God. But actually, when he's young, you see, Solomon, he was strong when he was young. When his wives were trying to take him, sway him this way, sway him that way, sway that, he was rather stronger then. But when he was old, that was when his wife turned his heart. You see, so when you are young, you'll be surprised that the same strength that you have. To have sex and do all these kind of things, you can actually channel that strength to serve God and be strong about what you believe. So if you are here and you are a young man, or how many here are young? Can I see? Can I see any hands of any young people? The rest are old. All this section are elderly. Thank God for your youth. That's what that's God wants to use that strength. Priests were supposed to be from the age of 25 to 30 to the age of 50, 55. Yeah. By the age of 50, 55, finished. Yeah. So it's rather from 25, 30. Yeah. And even in, in uh, fertility, your peak fertility is when you are 25 years old. That's when you are high. Uh, and I'm sure spiritually, from around 25, 30, you are peaking. See, when you are peaking, you've given yourself to HSBC. That's when you are peaking. Peaking your effectiveness, your ability to learn things. You have dashed yourself to backless. Bank. And when you are elderly, Cannot pass even church exams. Cannot remember any scriptures. Lay your head on me. Amen.
want to help Jesus? Please let me be your servant. 
Stand up and pray that prayer right now. Let me be yourself. Let me be yourself. What a privilege it would be. Let me be yourself. Please. What a weight of this world. What a weight of this world. Let me be your servant, Jesus. 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 What a privilege it would be. What a privilege it would be. What a privilege it would be.
listening to this message. Visit www.daghewardmills.org today for more audio and video messages, information on upcoming events, and so much more. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every single day. And remember, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind.